Good morning, everyone. Um, we're in our third week uh, going through this series, Bringing Heaven to Earth, as we work phrase by phrase through a very familiar prayer. Uh, whether you have been involved in church, a part of a church, or maybe this is your very first time uh, being a part of a worship service, attending a service, uh, or maybe it's been a very long time since you've been in a worship service, uh, I think most of us at some way and level are familiar with this prayer uh, that you just saw uh, in the video. And we're kind of coming at it with this theme, bringing heaven to earth. And I don't know about you, but as I've been, you know, like this is my world, this is my life, thinking and preparing messages for this series. And so it's, it's, it's on my radar all over. And I don't know about you, but as I see headlines in our, that pertain to our nation and communities, uh, as I think about things going on in our own homes and lives and neighborhoods, I'm just, uh, uh, it's confirmed to me again and again and again that we need more of heaven on earth. And I believe it elevates the importance of what we're talking about, and we're coming at it from the perspective through prayer, uh, because we believe that prayer has a formative sense to it. The, the, what we pray about and how we pray really informs and, and transforms how we live our lives. And I believe as Jesus was teaching those that were listening to this, uh, this teaching about many other things, one of the things being the Lord's Prayer on that day uh, in Galilee, um, it wasn't just pray these words, like just pray them. And, but I think Jesus was saying that as you pray them, it's going to change how you live your life. And, and Jesus presents a model. And it's a model for us today to learn from too. So uh, I hope by now you have Matthew 6 uh, open uh, on a Bible uh, with you or on a device uh, that you have with you. Love for you to follow along. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. I uh, want to read some of these words. If you don't have uh, a Bible or a, it's on your device, an app on your device, uh, the words, the verses will be before us. But I just want to read some of the verses um, that we're going to be looking at. Really, again, we're just working phrase by phrase through this prayer. And we find ourselves in the middle of it today. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus, after giving two negative examples of how not to pray, don't pray like the pagans, don't pray like the hypocrites. Uh, we talked about that the last couple weeks. And then he moves into, then this is how. This is the model. It's not a, you have to just pray these words over and over, although praying these words is good and encouraged to do. But Jesus is giving a model of what do you pray about as you go to prayer. And he says in verse 9, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come is going to be the phrase we're going to camp out on in these moments as we get to open God's word together. Just three words, but a lot there. Your kingdom come. And I'd just like to pray uh, before we move into this time in God's word. Lord, I know for many, myself included, um, the images, the stories, the uh, videos coming out of Puerto Rico are on our minds and thoughts. And I know many have been praying on a regular basis for Puerto Rico and the people there, and we do too. And we pray for uh, life. We pray for protection. We pray for supplies. We pray, um, God, that you would show us even here so many miles away in Brunswick, Ohio today, what, uh, what might be our part? What does our family do in response? Um, 
Lord, would you show us those steps? And Lord, it's not even just Puerto Rico. There's Florida and there's Texas and so many other places that have just been ravaged by these storms, these hurricanes that have come through. So we acknowledge that and I'm thankful that in each of these places you are present. You are there, your church is there, your people are there. And Lord, even as we pray this prayer, we pray your kingdom come there. And Lord, in these moments, I uh, have already done this once already this morning, an hour or so ago, and I have notes in front of me and a sense of where this is going to go. But Lord, I, I just want to pray. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would help me, lead me. If there's something that you want to say to this group that's here, would you make it clear? If it's another verse, if it's a story, if it's a text, I don't know what it might be, Lord, but I just want to be open. Lord, I just don't want to go through the routine again. I want to be open to your new and fresh work even this morning in these moments. We're here. It's a different group of people than we're here at our nine o'clock service. So we invite your Holy Spirit to lead us in these moments we're together. Amen. Amen. So your kingdom come. Let's be honest. The word kingdom is one we don't use much here where we live. Here in the United States, uh, we think of kingdom, we think of kings, we think of queens, we think of princes, we think of princesses, we think of England. You might think of the Netflix series, The Crown. Uh, I don't know about you, but Lori and I, we walked, went through it pretty quickly and are waiting, anticipating the next season uh, to come out. If you're unfamiliar with The Crown, it's Queen Elizabeth's going to rise to the throne and, and all that went with that. And it's really intriguing. And um, I'm sure here in the United States, around the end of August, I think it's August 30th, first uh, is the anniversary of Princess Diana's death. And so you start to see stories about the monarchy and her life and Charles, Prince Charles and, and all of that. So, but, but honestly, when we think about kingdom, it's, it's somewhat unfamiliar to us, even the origins of our country. We fought for our freedom from a king. Uh, to be set free from a king's rule. And uh, we're now part of what we would call a democracy. And, and so this word kingdom sometimes doesn't translate or impact us today. What does this mean? When Jesus says, this is how you should pray. This is one of the things, if you're going to pray, this is one of the things you should ask for. Your kingdom come. So it's important. And we need to talk about it. And it was something Jesus talked about. Um, he talked about it actually quite a bit, this idea of the kingdom. Or he would describe it as the kingdom of heaven. He would describe it as the kingdom of God, both the same thing, just different words there. But Jesus would talk about this a lot. Uh, just to give you a sense of the amount of times it's referenced in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, it's not mentioned uh, in John, but let's focus on Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So Jesus, uh, 49 times, just in the book of Matthew. There's 28 chapters in the book of Matthew. So 49 times, a lot, it's mentioned in this, this text, we're in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, um, the kingdom of God. Mark, 16 references in 16 chapters. Luke, 38 references in 24 chapters. It's easy to say that this was on every page, if you will, of the New Testament. It's on every page of the Gospels. This is what Jesus talked about. There's a, there's a, pair, uh, a, a chapter in Matthew, just a few chapters from this chapter, uh, Matthew 13, that there are several parables all related to the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, maybe you've read through it, and it would say something like this, the kingdom of heaven is like. 
and parable after parable after parable. Jesus wanted people to know, his followers to know, what is the kingdom of heaven like? And he would tell a story. He would give an image. And he would say, it's like that. You need to understand. And, and it, it also is interesting that this isn't something Jesus just talked about in Matthew and, and a few times, but it really was the bookends of his teaching. Uh, two references, we could go a lot of different ways, but just two references. First in Mark, Mark chapter 1. Uh, so Mark chapter 1, the beginning of Mark, Jesus has come out of being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And in Mark chapter 1, he's kind of what we would say beginning his earthly ministry. He's, he's starting to teach, he's starting to preach, he's starting to heal people, set people free from demonic oppression in their lives. And But before he does all that, he says this in Mark chapter 1. The time has come, or it's reached fulfillment, what it's been waiting for, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. You get a sense that this is the first uh, teaching that Jesus gives as he begins his earthly ministry. So then you fast forward a few years and he's, he's ending. He is now, he, he died, he rose again. And, and uh, you might not know, but there was a period of 40 days that after he rose from the dead, that he was still with his disciples before he went back to heaven. So what did he do over those 40 days? Did they just hang out? What did he talk about? And Luke, when he writes the book of Acts, tells us, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he, gave him, he showed himself uh, to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And what did he talk about? The kingdom of God. So you got 40 days left. Jesus has 40 days left with his disciples on earth where he is physically with them. These are crucial days. The part of me, I just want to, like, I want to know, did Jesus ask them, so guys, we've been together a few years now. Do you have any questions? <laughs> like, I'm leaving. I'm, the Holy Spirit's coming. You're not going to be alone. Any questions? Anything I can clarify for you? I think all the hands went up, you know? Um, but over these days, Jesus speaks to the disciples about the kingdom of God. It was that important that right before he leaves to go back to his father, he spends days, 40 days, speaking about it, talking about it, dialoguing, I think, with his disciples about it. Here's what it means, guys. Here's what it looks like. Here's how you live it out. Here's why this is important. So on both ends of his kind of earthly ministry, the, the beginning and all the way to the end, he talked all about the kingdom of God. Sometimes pastors, preachers, leaders, uh, we have our hobby horses. We have those topics and themes and books of the Bible that we emphasize more than others based on bent and experience and passion and all those types of things. If you were to ask Jesus' disciples, what was Jesus' hobby horse? What did he talk about all the time? I think they would say the kingdom of God. That's what he talked about all the time was the kingdom of God. Sometimes though here in the church in the West, we don't talk a lot about the kingdom of God. We don't think about what does this mean? Are we, how are we a part of the kingdom? What does that mean to everyday life? And Jesus brings it into this prayer. Your kingdom come. It was that important that Jesus included it in this prayer that he was teaching the disciples and us to pray. 
So we need to today, what we're going to do is just a few things. We're just going to answer just two questions. And we're not even going to fully answer them. There's so much more we can unpack. But we're just going to begin to explain. We're going to answer the first question is, what is the kingdom of God? Because this is such a um, maybe foreign idea to many of us, like what does it mean to be part of the kingdom of God? What does that mean to everyday life? So we're going to talk about what is it and then how? How does it come? If Jesus says pray this way, that his kingdom would come, be evident, how? How does that, what is one of the ways that Jesus' kingdom comes? So just two simple questions, what and how? That's where we're going to go today. So let's talk about what. What is the kingdom of God? Just move back in your Bible. If you're in Matthew, just a few chapters back to the left, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, we're just going to read one verse. It's basically the same verse that Mark records, that Matthew records about, again, Jesus just beginning his kind of earthly ministry, and he says this in verse 17. He says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. So he begins to go out into the communities, into the towns, into the villages. He's traveling throughout Galilee. He's traveling out throughout that region. And he's teaching. And what is he teaching? He's teach he says this. This is his message. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Let's take that apart to help us understand what is the kingdom of God. So Jesus first says, repent. He said it here in Matthew and he said it back in Mark, Mark chapter one, repent. If you're going to enter the kingdom of God, if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God, some things have to change. Repentance means change. It's change of direction. It's not a, it's not just a um, kind of recalculation, but it is a complete change of direction. It's not like when Siri, when you make the wrong turn saying recalculating, you know, she does that to me often, (laughs) Uh, but it's, but it's not, it's not just, you know, a a slight right turn, uh, like, you know, just an adjustment, a course adjustment. It is like you are walking this way and repentance is saying, now you got to walk that way. And Jesus says, if you're going to enter, if you're going to be a part, if you're going to live under the kingdom of God and allow the kingdom of God to live through you, there has to be a complete change of direction. Priorities, mindset, everything. Everything changes. Values change. Priorities change. Who's in charge changes. Repent is what Jesus says. He talks about the kingdom. Again, a word not uh, that we don't use a lot here in our context, but the idea of a kingdom is simply there is a king. I know that's earth shattering, but it's the idea of there's a king and the king rules. The king is in charge. The king is sovereign. The king rule and reign over a group of people. We see that in England, that the, 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 the uh, queen, like she rules, the, the monarchy rules. They, they decide what happens, what they say goes. And the idea of a kingdom is that there's a king who's in charge and his, he has authority and he, 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 he has his subjects as his people. You do what he says because he's sovereign and he rules and he reigns. And then Jesus adds this statement both here in Matthew and in Mark, describing the nature of this kingdom, is near. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is near. That is a significant statement. It is in the present tense, which indicates that the coming is a past action with present results, is at hand 
or is near. It's tangible. You can experience it today. That's what Jesus is saying. This kingdom that I'm talking about, this kingdom that I'm bringing is not just something that's going to take place in the future. George, I appreciate what George said, that we do have a coming king who's going to fully usher in his kingdom at his second coming. But when we pray your kingdom come, we're not just saying, God, would you speed up your coming? Like, would you come faster? But what we're saying, what what Jesus is saying is that the kingdom of God is near. It's not something you just have to wait for the future for. But it's something that here today on earth you can experience. Now, not fully, but we get a taste, if you will of what the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like, we get a taste of it now. We live in this already not yet tension. Jesus, when he came, he ushered in the kingdom of heaven. It's here, but not fully here yet. And that's the tension you and I live in every day. This already, it's here, but not fully yet. Even in our own personal lives, we, we are holy. We talked about this last week. We are holy, but practically not fully yet. That's the already, not yet tension that you and I live with every day of our lives as a follower of Jesus Christ. And the kingdom of God is like that. A few quotes that I find helpful to understanding what the kingdom of God is like, what it is. David Stearns, who's not the former basketball commissioner, he's not a theologian, uh, David Stearns, uh, but a different David Stearns said this, the kingdom of God, he said, refers to neither a place or time. And and that's where you see, even in some of Jesus' disciples, like, when are you going to set up the kingdom? Is it going to happen now? They were expecting this earthly reign right now. Destroy Rome. We're free. Set it up now, Jesus. And Jesus says, not the right time. It's not right now on this earth yet, fully. And what David Stern says, the kingdom of God refers neither to a place or a time, but to a condition, a reality, if you will, in which the rulership or the authority, the reign of God is acknowledged by humankind. A condition in which God's promise of a restored universe, free from sin and death, are or begin to be fulfilled. We get a glimpse or a taste. It's an appetizer, if you will. For the kingdom that is going to come. We get to experience it today. John Eldridge, who's a speaker, he's an author. He said this about the kingdom of God. He said, the Christian life is much more than forgiveness. It's a huge, forgiveness is a huge part of the Christian life, but it's so much more than that. The Christian life is much more. It's bigger than just forgiveness. I like what he says here. It's the invasion of a kingdom. And all that comes with it. Sometimes we miss the invasion of a kingdom in Jesus' coming. Think about it. When Jesus, a few, well, in a few months from now, I know it's hard to think about, but um, it was a little crisp this morning. So you start thinking about fall and all that's bringing Thanksgiving. And then after Thanksgiving, we have Christmas. We're going to celebrate Jesus' birth. When Jesus was born that night, it was an invasion in enemy territory. We miss that in the nativity story sometimes. Friends, that's why when you read throughout the Gospels, you you have this warring of two kingdoms colliding. 
Why is there so much demonic activity in the New Testament? It's two kingdoms warring together. And friends, who wins? God's kingdom. It's greater. So that's why it's this invasion. Jesus brought a kingdom, a, a rule, a reign, authority with him when he came to this earth to take back territory that the, the enemy had taken. And there's coming a day where the enemy will be, the enemy will be wiped out completely. But today, we get to experience it in some way. I like what Eugene Peterson, his, he wrote the paraphrase of the message, um, the Bible there. Uh, it, maybe you have read it, but Eugene Peterson has a, such a unique way of, of taking the Bible and paraphrasing it into language. Sometimes it that's just describes it in a great way. When, he's, when his paraphrase of your kingdom come in the Lord's prayer is God set the world right. That helps me. And I hope it helps you understand we're praying your kingdom come. We're saying God set the world right. Set this relationship right. Set the circumstance right. Set it right through us. So just two kind of quick takeaways and then we'll get to the how. How does this happen? How does this, but let's get to the few takeaways real quick. First, if we are a follower of Jesus Christ and we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior, as it relates to the kingdom of God, we've, we need to be reminded that my citizenship, first and foremost, as a follower of Jesus, is in the kingdom of God. And it's not in the country of my origin. The country of our origin is vitally important. But as a follower of Jesus, our allegiance is first and foremost to the kingdom of God. We have a king. And he's our Lord. And now he's the one that we submit under and follow his lead in the midst of the countries that we live, in the midst of the communities that we live. We are citizens of the kingdom of God, first and foremost, as followers of Jesus. And secondly, the kingdom of God is not just to be some, uh, some ethereal idea some mindset, some, it's not to be ambiguous. Friends, the kingdom of God is meant to be very tangible, experienced. So what does that mean? Make, Eugene Peterson said, your kingdom come, set the world right. So where there's conflict, God wants to bring peace. Where there's division, God wants to bring reconciliation. Where there's death, God wants to bring life. Where there's hate, God wants to bring love. Where there's sickness, God wants to bring healing. Where there's doubt, God wants to bring faith. Where there's grief, God wants to bring comfort. Where there's despair, God wants to bring hope. Where there's greed, God wants to bring generosity. And we can go on and on and on of evidences of the tangible nature of the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus talked about. This is what he preached. And this is what he lived out throughout his life. What is it? And now let's talk about how does it come? If we pray this prayer, your kingdom come, we're asking for something. We're asking for his kingdom to come. Evidences of his kingdom here on this earth. A taste of heaven now on earth. All those things we just mentioned. So how does that happen? What is the mechanism 
that the kingdom of God comes. There's, there's a few things we could talk about, but I just want to focus on one. And we're going to use uh, Matthew chapter 9, again, just to illustrate again that the kingdom of God is all over the book of Matthew. It's all over it. <coughs> to help us understand the how, or when we pray this, how does praying this bring heaven to earth, the mechanism, if you will, the instruments that he uses, Verse 35, it says, Then Jesus went, throughout, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. I love that verse because, that first part of that verse, because Jesus went to where people were at. He went to doors and he went to homes and he hung out in their, their, their one-room houses and he went to their town. And these are real places on a map that Jesus went to bring the kingdom of God to. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and here it is, preaching the good news of the kingdom. And the next phrase, and healing every disease and sickness. You have the proclamation of the kingdom and the demonstration of the kingdom in healing of the sick and setting people free. It wasn't just the proclamation, but there was the demonstration. So you have both and. And as you read throughout the Gospels, you see that again and again and again, that Jesus would preach, he would say this, but then he would pray for people and the, the sick would get well and the, the lame would walk and the blind would be open and people who, who were following their old way of doing life and were in their sin became born again and were saved and were transferred from death to life. Why can all those things happen and even happen still today? Because the kingdom of heaven is near. It's tangible. We can experience it today. So then after you have this proclamation and demonstration, then he said when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he sees these crowds. He sees these people who are harassed and helpless. They're, they're hopeless. They, they have no one guiding them. They're, they're doing their own thing. They're broken and they're hurting and there's sickness and there's disease and there's conflict. All the things that we see today in our world were happening then too. There's division. One, one ethnic group is not getting along with the other ethnic group and there's, there's conflict. So there's all this stuff and Jesus looks at the crowd, looks at the people and he's compassion. He has compassion, which is, I want to do something about that. That's compassion. Compassion isn't just, I feel bad for you. But compassion is, I feel bad and I want to do something about it. So what does Jesus, what does he say? We have these needs, crowds, what, is, what do we do? Then he said to his disciples, so he looks at the crowds, turns back to his disciples, and he says, look, he says, the harvest is plentiful. It's ripe. It's ready. Look at all these people. Look at all these needs. Look at all these problems. I know they're huge, but the harvest is plentiful. It's ripe. It's ready. But what's the problem? The workers are few. There's not people who are willing to go to them, to move towards those who are harassed and helpless. So what does Jesus pray? He says, here's what you should pray. Here's what you should pray about. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So the way Jesus addresses the needs of the crowd is with the, his disciples saying, basically saying, I'm sending you to them and pray that more would go. 
So when we think about the kingdom of God coming, how does it come? It's sim- one of the ways it simply comes, friends, is through you and I as ordinary followers of Jesus Christ being sent to all sorts of places over this geographic region, neighborhoods, schools, workplaces, friendships, relationships, being sent all over to what? Bring the kingdom of God near to those God puts us around, many who are harassed and helpless and hopeless. But here's some time, here's my fear. When we think about workers going out into the harvest field, my fear is that the workers, or what we sometimes, the mindset, and this, ha- this happens for a lot, a lot of reasons, we can't unpack it all, but just the mindset sometimes is the workers are those who get paid to do it. And that, that's a burden for me as one of your pastors here, that I don't want you to ever feel or believe that we as pastors who get paid to do this or professional in the professional realm of ministry are the only, or missionaries or, are the only ones who have the privilege of taking the kingdom of God to people. But I believe it's the responsibility and really the invitation for every single one of us who call ourselves a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not just a select few, but it's all. Sometimes in the church, and, and even just when I was, uh, became the senior pastor here in, in January, I was prayed for. I was commissioned. I was, uh, there was people that gathered around me, laid their hands on me, and prayed and commissioned me to be the senior pastor. We launched missionaries uh, to different parts of the globe. We gather around them. We pray for them. We commission them. We are sending them with our blessing and support to wherever they're going. And I wonder sometimes if you see that on a regular basis, you see just the pastors and missionaries, those who do, again, the professional ministry, you might look at that and say, well, it's just their responsibility. And I really don't have a role. And friends, if if that's you, I'm sorry. Because I want you to know you have a role. And it's a vital role to play. So who does God want to use? He wants to use homemakers, Teachers, bankers, students, middle school students, high school students, college students, salespeople, CEOs, doctors, architects, engineers, those who work in administration, those in law enforcement, those who are paramedics and firefighters, those who work on an assembly line five, six, seven days a week, those who are retired, those who are trained, those who are untrained. He wants to use moms, dads, grandparents. He wants to use everyone to take the kingdom of God to those who are harassed and helpless. He wants to use anyone who's willing to say, God, would your rule and reign extend into every place I visit and every relationship I'm in? So what we're going to do today, as we were praying about this and thinking about this prayer, your kingdom come, and realizing that God's kingdom comes through people Showing up, work every day, school every day, being in a neighborhood, being a mom that stays at home, be, being an assembly line worker, being a CEO of a company, being a, whatever you might do, whatever you put your hands to, so to speak. We want to provide you an opportunity today to be commissioned, to be prayed for, to be affirmed in who you are 
in your role and taking the kingdom of God and praying, God, your kingdom come wherever I go through my life and our family's life. So what we're going to do, let me explain what we're going to do. We're going to have, as we, uh, as after I pray, some of our elders and staff will be up here up front. And you don't have to do this, but if you just sense, I could just really use that, that commissioning, that affirmation, that someone else putting their hand on me and praying that God would use me. There'll be a bunch of people up here up front. And while we ask is if you come forward, the reality is we might not know your name. So if you could share your name and where you would like us to pray that you are going, like wherever you spend your most time, could be your neighborhood, home, family, your workplace, what you do, in the sense of being commissioned to take the kingdom of God to that place and to those people. And even just practically, just for traffic flow, if you do come forward, we just ask you to come down the center aisle and make your way out to the, out the sides. It's just a little easier. Uh, but you can come up and down the, if that's the easiest way for you. That's okay. But just a little more traffic flow. But friends, I hope you hear today that in Jesus' prayer, when he's telling his disciples, he's telling us, pray this way. Your kingdom come. He's saying, pray this way, but don't just pray it, but live it. And even yesterday, as I was driving to the hardware store, you know, it's on my mind, I'm thinking about this, and I had to pick up some things at the hardware store, and I'm just praying, God, I don't know what it might look like for your kingdom to show up at the hardware store, but I'm just going to start praying it. And nothing happened, but it just got me in the mindset that wherever I go, God, what might it look like for your kingdom, what's, what life is like in heaven right now, to come into this circumstance, or this place. And we all go to different places. And we're all in different relationships. So we want to give you the opportunity to know you're a part of this, part of God's work. You're part of God's kingdom. And you have a vital role to play. And just commission you today. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask those elders and staff who are helping pray. If you guys want to make your way up and the worship team can come on up. And let's wrap up our service in this way. Let me pray. So God, I just want to thank you for this prayer it's been forming me and making me, causing me to pray in different ways. And even driving yesterday through Brunswick, just praying. What would it look like for God's kingdom to show up here on Laurel Avenue and Jefferson Avenue and Pearl Road? And as I go to the hardware store, as I'm at a football game. And Lord, I just pray that even as we pray this, that it would really change, it would form us. It would change how we live even going back to work tomorrow and going back to school and going back to practice and going to the gym, the grocery store. Lord, the kingdom of God is near. It's not just this far off or future experience. It can be a reality today. And I wonder maybe we don't see it as much because maybe we're not praying this as much. Your kingdom come. So, Lord, would you change how we pray? Would you change how we live? And will we sense a, just your affirmation on us, even in these moments of commissioning? Have your way in and through us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.